Alrighty, welcome to season six, episode sixteen. Oh, today it's still me, Gabe, Jiming, hey, and Matt. 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 Hello. Oh, my <laughs> mic wasn't picking it up. <laughs> but we have a special guest Wait, today. Should we should do? We should have let yeah. Aiden start the podcast. Yeah, that's true. Hey, do you want to oh, start true. the podcast? True, true, true. That's a fantastic suggestion, Matt. I'm glad you, you thought of it just now as the recording began. <laughs> Hi, my name's Aiden. I'm the guest on the podcast. As these three fine individuals have just sort of led on accidentally by saying, hey, we should have let Aiden start the podcast. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> we could just restart so it. No, no, I think you leave no, it in. No. I, I want yeah, you yeah. to bear witness to the shame you've brought upon me. Okay. True. I'm sorry. Man. No cuts. No cuts. No cuts. Yeah, no that's great. We'll keep all of that. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for introducing the podcast. Um. Um. So. So you. So what is your name? Your name is Aiden. My name is Aiden. Uh, I'm a friend of Matt's. Uh, we went to university together. Uh, yep. I've got a degree in uh, computer science, specialization in game development. Oh. Um, hey, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other relevant information. Wait, wait, wait. Here. wait, wait. Did, yeah. did, does does Theo have a specialization in game development? Yeah, I think he uh, has. he's he's in the specialization. He's got a little more time to go. Oh, okay. I see. <laughs> a nice way to put it. <laughs> he's got a little more. He's got a little more learning to do. From what it sounds he's like, got, from you, he's got a little more to do. He's taking the scenic route. Which oh. is admittedly pretty expensive. Oh, damn, Aiden. <laughs> well, we're off to a fantastic start here. So you're here today to... to uh, so, as listeners know, last podcast we had Theo on, and Theo explained a lot of game design, a lot of Dungeons and & Dragons, and, and, and right after the podcast, um, I think Aiden, you messaged Matt, or Matt, you guys were talking about yeah, the podcast. So, and, so yeah. I, can, I, I can pull it up here in a sec if you want the exact wording. Um, yeah, sure. It was, it was within a matter of seconds. Uh, I, I think the nice way I, or the not so nice way I put it was almost everything he said here is wrong. I'm surprised uh, you sat through and listened to everything. I, I, I listened to this several times, uh, wow. start to finish, <laughs> which. Uh, so, something you guys got to know about me right off the bat is I like to break things down and analyze them and sort of tear them up into their base components. Then sort oh, really? of get to the behind-the-scenes things of what's going on. Okay, I uh, So I, I went through, I listened to all of Theo's points, uh, I took notes, I then took notes from my notes, uh, and then I sort of compared them to my experience in the field of Dungeons & Dragons, which is a really pretentious way of saying I play this game a lot. Uh, I started back in 4th edition uh, about 8 years ago, I attended the midnight release of 5th edition, and I've done uh, weekly game nights since then, uh, wow. which once a week, it adds up to a little under 2,000 hours. I've done other tabletop uh, games, such as uh, Numenera. I've done a Warhammer 40k-based game called Dark Heresy. Uh, I've done a whole bunch of stuff, so I, I kind of know what I'm talking about when I talk about tabletop RPGs. Okay. Um, uh, it, it's a bit of a passion for me. And uh, Theo said a lot of stuff that I strongly disagree with at a basic <laughs> level. 
this is great. Yeah, this is Wait, so good. This is so interesting. I because 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 I'm thinking last podcast we were all like really wowed by because we didn't know. I mean, I didn't know better personally, or like I was just thinking, wow, this this guy knows so much stuff about everything, and and, and like everything he said was made so much like logical sense in a way, and I can't believe that the, it's actually wrong. You know, that's well, kind of bizarre. To uh, me. Sorry, I sort of interrupt there. I have to clarify a lot of what Theo says is sort of uh, very basic game design things that you'd get from a 10-minute YouTube video in passing. And he sort of paraphrases that stuff and then oh, sort of quickly moves on before you get into any details about it, uh, which oh, is the opposite of what I'd like to do, is I'd really like to get into the details down in the dirt, sort of explain how these things work. Uh, that kind of so, upsets me a little bit, because now I'm it's, thinking... It's, you guys fell have... for a little bit flim-flammery, if you would yeah, excuse the yeah, term. That's, like, that's <laughs> I think well, we got... Because, like, Theo said a lot of shit that I was like, damn, that's that's smart. And now you're telling me yeah. I could have just watched a 10-minute YouTube video? Oh, and, and absolutely. No. Um, if you're interested in learning more, there's a series called Extra Credits, which goes into sort of different game design oh. philosophies. I love uh, extra guys. That's such a good YouTube yeah, channel. I think I actually know about that channel. It, it's a pretty well-known channel, even if you don't do game design stuff. Oh, yeah, this one, this one, yeah, it's super popular. Yeah, I've, yeah I've you got the green stuff. box that says game written on it. I've definitely uh, seen the Genghis Khan, I think, series. Oh, yeah, there's tons of stuff. Some of them are better than others. Uh, there's some that aren't very good, but a number of them are pretty good. Anyway, uh, if it's all right with you guys, I'd like to start just by talking about 5th uh, edition <laughs> Dungeons & Dragons. Okay, yeah. so let's... I, I, I'm just going to start before you jump into it, Aiden, because you are talking to me who has very, very minimal experience with Dungeons and Dragons, and then Gabe and Jaming who have no experience with Dungeons and Dragons. I actually have experience, but not a good experience. I'm assuming you and the listeners have no experience with this, so I'm going to start at the very basics. There you go, perfect. And, and I'm going to start to work my way up, and you'll okay. see pretty quickly uh, how absurd some of this stuff gets. Uh, not in Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, in particular, I'll be doing a sort of a comparison between the classic D and D and Theo's RPG game, which is called Rule of Three. And they're incredibly different, uh, not in the ways he suggests. So first off, uh, I want Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition is really easy to learn. Uh, the entire mechanics can sort of be thrown out the window. All you really need to know is that you have a twenty-sided die and some stats that go along with it. Those stats correspond to different attributes of your character, you know, how smart they are, how strong they are. You roll the d20, you add a number that goes up to, let's say, I think 10 is the maximum. And then depending on the result, the dungeon master says you succeed or you fail at the task. In, in a nutshell, that's all Dungeons & Dragons is. There are more specifics that sort of add and reduce things, but that's really all you need for Dungeons & Dragons to work. Mm-hmm. And there are other systems in, in place for doing that. Uh, I know Call of Cthulhu uses what's called a D100 system, where you have a static number from 1 to 100, you roll a 100-sided die, and if you get under your number, you succeed. Uh, what's interesting about Theo's system, the rule of three, uh, is that it uses, I don't know, the rule of three? No other system uses this. You roll three six-sided dice, you arrange them from least to greatest, and you choose the middlest number as what you rolled on the die. And that presents... A bit of a problem with randomizing just straight from the get-go before we get into, and I'm going to get into a lot of stuff, Yeah, okay. um, just probability-based. So okay. uh, I, I don't want to get... Like three dice and picking the middle one seems actually pretty fair because then you're kind mm-hmm. of averaging it out a little bit rather than, well, oh, you rolled a fucking one and you just keep rolling once. 
Well, you, you would you would think that. Uh, as it turns out, um, just talking about the math, when you roll a 20-sided die, you've got about a 5% chance of getting any particular value. They're all equally likely to come up. Okay. Uh, when you roll three dice, take the middle value, what you get is a bell curve, where you have about a 50% chance of rolling the average value of three or four. Okay, yeah. That makes sense. So there, there, there's yeah. a place for that, but what that means in game terms, effectively, is that you're almost always going to be rolling the average number, which is neither super good nor super bad. And it kind of makes for uh, bad storytelling, where you're neither really good, you're just average at what you do. Oh, yeah. That, that makes sense. sense. That is yeah, true, yeah. Okay. I'm onto some stuff here. <laughs> um, the way that this is combated in the rule of three uh, is by having an insane amount of abilities that sort of add and increase that number to ludicrous degrees to the point where the dice roll almost doesn't even matter. And I'll have to defer to Matt a bit for this, in that I haven't actually played Rule of Three. I just looked through the manual, the spreadsheets, and I've sort of <laughs> tried to glean what the rules are. But I'm grasping at straws. <laughs> yeah, so, the manual was quite hard to, to follow. Oh, not, so not you, you guys, the, the, the spreadsheet. Tree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so to put some context in here, Aiden, yeah. we are going to do a campaign with Theo, actually. Yeah. Oh, God help you. Not a campaign. He said like one, oh, one no, I can't, like, I'm yeah. guessing just like a one. No, God. Session. Okay, well, let me give you some stats, because the users at home don't have the spreadsheet. <laughs> they don't have the manual. They don't really know what's going on here. So I okay. want to just lay the groundwork here. Okay. Um, Theo talks a lot about player choice in choosing abilities and how his system is revolutionary for letting you be really specialized, but also really easy to pick up. Uh, so my question for you guys is just in a vague sense, how many choices is too many? Like if you had to choose from abilities, how many abilities is too many to choose from? More than 50? Wait. More than 100? Mm -hmm. No, more than 50. Uh, there's actually a study done by uh, James Schwartz. He's a psychologist. Uh, effectively, what happens yeah. is around the 50 mark, people's brains shut off and they can't make decisions, but <laughs> oh, yeah. they just don't. That makes sense for me. Wow, if you yeah. hit it right on the mark. Holy, I just guessed. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was As it turns, if, if you want a nice amount of choice, 20 is pretty much the hard cutoff for things, unless it's really specific or you're a really big nerd about it. So then um, that's. <laughs> That's why supermarkets are laid out the way they are, where you have so many brands of flour, and they're sort of split up. They don't go above 20. Wow. That makes I me see. think kind of like, actually about like League of Legends or like Dota or something, because each champion has about four mm -hmm. different abilities that are in but a at, game at one time. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, you can have more than four or 20 choices. You just have to break them up a bit. That's why, you know, if you're on a Windows computer, you, you have things like file options, tools, and those cascade and give you more options. So you can have more than 20 options. You just have to stem out and be organized. Oh, shit. I see. Damn, so, that's, 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 something, like that. that's something that's really crucial to 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, where, you know, you pick a class like Wizard. Uh, you can choose a specialization for the Wizard. Like, let's say you want to be really good at throwing fireballs. So you can choose an evocation Wizard. And then from that subclass, you get a few things sort of hard-coded that let you do some stuff. And then you can pick your spells, which are further segmented by level. So at level 1, you can get some weaker spells. Level 2, you've got a little bit more. So Dungeons & Dragons has 495 spells in total across 12 manuals. Okay. That sounds like a lot, but as I'm going to get into in a second here, again, it's broken up, so you're really only choosing between 10 and 15 options at a given time. Huh. How many options do you think Theo has at the base level? 
<laughs> a lot. Oh, uh, I, I would say probably no, more I, than fifty. <laughs> I, yeah, no, no kidding. I I want a I want a concrete number from you guys though. Uh, I don't know, man. I spent like three hours looking through the spreadsheet, so I can't say for sure. But I I, I will bring this point up though. I I'm like I don't really like sticking to the basic stuff, so I kind of liked having that. I'm a maybe I'm a nerd or you know like I I feel like Theo's game is like more elitist Dungeons and Dragons now that you describe kind of the system where it's four players that just want to go fucking ham and learn everything and then just make a really stupid build. Yeah, well, I mean there's there's definitely different styles of play and it's I'm not saying Theo's tabletop is invaluable or there isn't an audience for it. There obviously is. Um what I am going to point out, though, is that at the first level, you have 1,144 different <laughs> abilities available to you. Jesus, you count? You went and... I went Wait. and I counted. Listen, pal, okay, this is how serious I am. I do deep dives. <laughs> this is further compounded by the yeah, use of keywords. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's way... Listen, 50, <laughs> throw that number out. That doesn't come up again in Theo's stuff. Uh, this is compounded by sort of interconnecting things I, I coined the phrase keywords for this but there might be conditions or something else that are used mm -hmm. um so what i'd like to do is i'm going to throw a few examples at you guys and have you sort of guess what they mean uh sort of keywords right. chosen at random from the spreadsheet uh, the first is juggled an enemy can be juggled what does that mean so in my <laughs> mind i imagine this enemy is kind of floating in there and you just uh, get a free shot on him yeah, you keep hitting them like like yeah. multiple times. <laughs> oh, like yeah, from no. a player to player, like you juggle a player. Oh, oh, okay. oh, yeah, multi hit mm -hmm. kind of. Yeah. So, uh, as far as I can tell, juggling is a condition you put on an opponent. You sort of throw them up in the air, and then it's yeah. meant to combo off of. Uh, here's another one for you guys: oversense. What does uh, oversense mean? <laughs> I have no idea. I actually asked Theo about this, and he said, "Don't worry about it." <laughs> <laughs> let's just let's just like not care about that <laughs> well i'm not surprised uh there are 130 different keywords only about 10 of which have a definition written down <laughs> wait, wait, wait what is no, there's hmm? not oh yeah yeah like like so 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 there's not everything has a definition oh yeah no uh theo will throw out keywords like uh nano latiste burned severely burned lightly burned poisoned slightly poisoned uh, mental breakdown mild, mental breakdown severe, <laughs> it explodes. Uh, the answer to what Oversense means, by the way, uh, varies on what class you are. Uh, if oh. you decide you're Fizz-based, which is one of his three categories, it means that you can't be surprised or ambushed, which are, again, two separate keywords which aren't defined. Uh, compounding oh. off of that, Oversense is also used to summon a demigod spirit bear, which has 20s in all stats, later on in this spell list. So okay, now, now I'm thinking that maybe his manual just isn't finished yet. It's still like a work in progress. He's still figuring out some words and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, no, it's brain. Is that that's, what I'm that's that's what I'm getting at. Uh, so Theo's system is really easy to pick up, and you don't need a manual if you're Theo, uh, and you don't need a manual <laughs> because there isn't one. Oh my gosh, Aiden! This is savage, but it's completely correct as far as I can tell. I don't think, yeah, I don't think his game is finished yet. I think that's why he's still playing with like a small group, and he's the only one that can kind of run a campaign right now. Mm -hmm. That makes well, sense. I'd, I'd like to. 
Yeah. If, if you don't mind me countering that, uh, there's a principle yeah. in game design, which we were taught sort of in the first bit of class, uh, called the minimum viable product. Oh, and yeah. this is core to sort of <laughs> any sort of design. Uh, if you don't know what that means, it means when you make something, you start with your core foundation and then add the stuff later. So if you were making Mario, for example, uh, you wouldn't have power-ups, you wouldn't have enemies, uh, you'd have a character that moves left to right, you'd have some pits, you might have a game over and like an end mechanic. That's your minimum viable product. Uh, the, the problem with the rule of three is that there's some foundation work made, but there's no instructions for really core mechanics in a tabletop game. Uh, so there isn't any written down instructions on how to make your character. Uh, there's an insane amount of variation in what characters can do. Um, as late as last night, Theo added 12 more abilities, and I had to recalculate <laughs> a bunch of things. So it's, it's a practice okay. in game design called overscoping where you sort of keep adding on more and more features and it cascades into this impossible to fully implement or capture. Uh, so, the, so the minimum viable sense. product is zero right now? There's just a lot of detail, but... Or... There are vestiges, like little hints of some things that he started and sort of half-finished. So, for example, there's a race section which lists humans as being having no positives or negatives. Uh, there's Ancient Born, which have a few positives and a couple negatives. And then there's Mutants, which sort of have a line saying, ask the Game Master about what these guys can do. And then there's no actual information about how that impacts your stats, how you roll for them, any of the core rules that you'd actually use in play. So as it stands right now, it's impossible to play without Theo present sort of holding your hand. Well, you know, it's still playable if Theo does hold your hand. So now I'm thinking if he just, like, takes his brain and plops it on a piece of paper, uploads it to Google Docs, everything's good. Well, uh, yes and no. Um, the handbook as it stands right now is 33 pages in length, and it doesn't have that core information down. So taking Theo's brain out and pouring it, I got mixed feelings about the spreadsheet. It isn't organized. Uh, it isn't edited. There are <laughs> things that seem to be set up and then forgotten. Uh, in particular, there's a mechanic called Clue, which comes up three times, whereas most of the other keywords come up 19 or 20 times. Um, so it's it's very much an unfinished product, and it's very hard to sort of say, you know, at what point is it finished, because there's so much going on. Uh, it's effectively impossible to balance. I wouldn't be surprised if there's several combinations which can lead to infinite damage or infinite health. <laughs> He did mention something like that, but he did he did fix it though. <laughs> uh, no, he didn't, pal. I got a few examples in my back pocket here of how he can accomplish that. Okay, you, mm, that might wait, be wait. For him. So so okay, but um, I'm thinking I kind of remember when he was talking to us about the game that he's like when I said I didn't like have any experience. He said he was he was um, looking forward to trying out this game with me. So so to me it, it did sound like like now that I recall it does does sound like a, an unfinished product that he's testing. Um, uh, did that change anything or not really? He's just testing um, it over and over again. But like it just sounds like it's well, unfinished. But uh, maybe he's it, just it is unfinished, and you sort of have to approach it in that regards. But you know, if you look at the amount of work that's been put in, I mean, it's an insane amount of interconnecting abilities. There's definitely a lot of work that's been put in, mm -hmm. but without a, a, a solid foundation. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's no information even on how you run the game as a non-player, for example. There's none, no information about that. Okay. So it's 
as a as a system and as a game, uh, it's entirely unfinished. But there's so much going on. I I really don't think anyone other than Theo, without devoting a lot of time in this, can sort of pick up and play the game. That's oh, fair. You? Yeah. I, I, could you, uh, Aiden? Hmm? Play like like lead someone through like. You're saying no one but Theo, but I'm curious if you can uh, play Theo's game. I'm I'm certain that if I sat down, I could probably figure out enough to play it. Okay. Um, but there's just so much there's so much going on here, and I mean i I have a considerable amount of experience with role playing games across different systems. Um, uh, the, the stuff that I would look for as a player isn't present currently. It's all stuff that you'd have to sit down and ask them specifically for. At which point he'd either have an answer or not, and that's something you just sort of have to acknowledge down the road. I kind of wonder what what exactly are you looking for in, say, a role playing um, a base? What was it? Minimal product. Okay, so uh, for minimal product from a tabletop role playing game, um, I'm just going to use Dungeons and Dragons as a reference here because that's what I'm most familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, what what I'd be looking for is an idea of. Number one, how do I set up a character? What's important there? Uh, in Dungeons and Dragons, you've got your sort of six core stats that represent your character. Uh, you might have a few skills. You can cut those out. They aren't really essential. You don't even need spells or anything. Um, really, just rolling the dice, getting results is the core thing you need for a tabletop role playing game. And to a certain extent, he has that with his three d six rule, um, but it falls short in other things. So. For example, it's really combat-based, the rule of three system. Everything seems to be mostly combat abilities, uh, referencing attacks versus an armor class, for example. So as sort of a next step from a minimal viable product, uh, what I'd be looking for in a minimum viable product would be, okay, how do I calculate my AC and sort of what should that look like? Um, I I couldn't find any information about how you calculate AC, and I couldn't find any information about what the average AC for a character would be like. Um, so it's hard to comment on that and sort of progress further into combat without knowing that core information. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't really know anything about game design other than a few short video- YouTube videos, but um, you, you talked a lot about kind of character creation and stuff, which I, I believe is actually very important. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking there might be a... Is it possible that uh, Theo is taking kind of like a grander approach at sort of trying to build out a world and and have and these abilities sort of just come out as as part of the world that he's making um so in like D D, it'd be like oh there, a dragon exists and he can shoot fire he can breathe fire and stuff like that and he just kind of turned that into a, an ability and it's sort of all these abilities are just building blocks for for his world i mean that's entirely possible um I think there's definitely a difference between the sort of design philosophies between me and Theo. Um, Theo seems to be very more sort of narrative focused. Uh, he spends a lot of time in the handbook talking about the setting and locations in the world. Uh, when I develop stuff sort of casually or professionally, I like to focus on sort of the core mechanics, get the gameplay feeling working first. And that's just a matter of different prioritization, I think, between two developers. Well. Like Theo said, actually, when he was on the podcast, he doesn't like to stick to one thing. Like he likes doing like rule of three in D and D because he gets to scratch like all of his different it- like itches between like acting and then writing and then also role playing and stuff like that and storytelling. 
So I think that's where it comes down, where he's not just making it for, for the gameplay. Like he also likes to do all these other things. And the other thing is <laughs> I I the the reason why I think he's he doesn't write down how to play the game like somewhere is because I think he also wants to sell this idea and sell kind of the game itself one day. And if he writes that down, then I don't know, somebody could take it and run kind of thing. So in, in, in my sense, I think he's just kind of protecting himself if he like, cause no one else can play this game other than Theo, obviously, or run it. Um, mm-hmm. Because yeah. only he knows. So Disclaimer, yeah, and- Matt works for Theo. Yeah, Matt works for Theo. Hey, Theo, uh, uh, Matt, I'm curious what your thought is on hard coding 100 or 1,144 different connections. So that was the other funny thing. I almost like, oh, that was a rough day when we were trying to, I was trying to work on that and I was just trying to get it from the spreadsheet into like a CSV format and then a JSON format. And that almost that no that did break me down because i was trying to do it and i just could not do it because there were so many exceptions like in in the spreadsheet itself there was some lines that had like enters so it had an extra line on it there was commas there was colons there was like everything and i was trying to figure it out because i was like usually to to make like a csv file it's just like it just adds commas between each things, right? I'm sure you guys know what CSVs are. Yeah, yeah, yeah a, a yeah. comma separated variable, I believe, for the yeah, listeners exactly. at home. Wow. So you have variables yeah. separated by commas. So if you have a list of like milk, comma eggs, comma cheese, you can separate them and get milk, eggs, or cheese. Yeah. So exactly. So it, in theory, it would have been that simple. Where usually, to go from that to JSON, you just have to find every time there's a comma you just have to split the two values and then it's pretty easy. But there was commas, so I couldn't do it by commas. There would be like semicolons, there'd be colons. It was oh, it was a mess trying to convert all that stuff down. Uh, do so. you mind if I bring up, because uh, you started work on this tabletop thing for our game development class. Yeah. Uh, and I, <laughs> I was, the night before it was due, I, I hopped on to see if my computer would run it. And uh, I, I encountered a bug in it. I don't know if you want to talk on that from your perspective or not, but no, well, that was a lot of like procrastinating by our entire team. Um, oh no! <laughs> my my okay. well, myself a I little bit de- included, I, but I can describe. So essentially, what happened is uh, for our class, we had to submit a game worth sixty percent of our mark for the game dev class. Ooh. Okay. Um, so. As a group, you had to have it ready the night before you presented so players could download it, run it, and play it. Uh, So I downloaded uh, Matt and Theo's game. Uh, And it's essentially (laughs) like a character creator. There's a turn-based strategy thing, and then you can move your character around and sort of wait for your turn to come back. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty simple thing. It's more of like a a tool than a standalone game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. As Matt hinted at with comma-separate variables... Uh, there is a bit of a problem with how characters are made and stored in the game. Uh, namely in that if you have a comma in your character's name, it splits off into two characters. And the way that it sends information out, uh, if you had two characters, it's sending information to two characters. If you, for example, copy and paste uh, 
the definition of a chair from Wikipedia and you have 320 commas, you have 320 characters and each individual client is sending information to 320 characters. Yes, Aiden uh, was is- so helpful with breaking our game <laughs> as we're trying to work on it and finish it the night before. Well, thank God Jake's thing didn't work. Uh, Jake was there as well. Jake had actually written a subprogram uh, just to send things directly to make individual characters. He ended up not getting that working, but man, if it had, you would not have gotten work done. Oh. Oh. So did it work in the end, the the thing? Oh, no, no, uh, no. They, no, they did their presentation and it sort of broke. Uh, I don't know did what it, other people experienced, but on my end, I had a vibrating character spewing blood that then turned horizontal and lit on fire. I want to play this game now. I want the file. No, no, it's it's gone, man. I, I think I took it down. It's really, it was just really bad because because networking was like so much harder to do over the internet, and then even then, we I was not prepared for like. 20 people i was like all right we're gonna have to do like five people max because like the <laughs> okay. server will not be able to handle it just because of how i wrote it because it was it was mm-hmm. not like it was not well coded at all it was like all right we need to finish this tonight what's the easiest way i can do this right. kind of thing <laughs> man yeah. that was uh, not fun but one thing i think that's really unfortunate is that i only discovered that is because the default name on the character sheet has a comma in it it was like world mender, oh, yeah, comma, shatterer. So by default, people are going to try and replicate that naming scheme, which is going to in turn lead to that error coming up. So if you hadn't had the default name have a comma in it, people oh, would no. have experienced that problem. That it was so silly. Uh, it was really not good. That project, <laughs> that whole time was just not, that was not a good time in my life. I can honestly say that was not a good time. Oh, Matt, wasn't this just like a few months ago? Yeah. yeah. Okay, man. It was so stressful. It It was so bad. Like, well, I mean, I I don't know if you've talked about the end of university on the podcast before or not, but it got insane. The workload. Oh, really? It was was just. Oh yeah, no fucking game, like a multiplayer game for their entire classroom. That's hard enough. Yeah. Well, keep in mind, there are effectively no exams at the end of the term, so everyone, every prof had decided, okay. Uh, we're going to have presentations and projects, which is fine individually, but all of them had the same due date at the last day of the classes, and all of them had to make up for an exam's worth of markable material. So I think I wrote like five or six 40-page essays on top of like all sorts of stuff. It was the most work I've done in the shortest amount of time ever in my career. Guys, that sounds so brutal. You guys passed, though. I passed, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I also passed. Oh, Matt did. Wait, who? Okay, it sounded like you're saying someone didn't pass. I I think a few people didn't. It got pretty dicey at the end there. Oh, okay. Pretty dicey. But, yeah. Um, just, I don't know. And then our university just shat on us, too. Oh, the convocation was awful. What happened with the university? So, literally, they they didn't do anything for for our graduation convocation or like ceremony or anything. So, like, what they did is that they posted an hour-long video um, that had all these other people except the grads. I think we had a representative come on for about 10, like, 5, 10 minutes. She had some kind of speech. Um, we had the grad representative come up, and they got their degree in hat and stuff. 
And then yes. they walked off. Yeah. <laughs> and I think and that was the last sort of hand waved. That was that was the last I think I, I heard about actually celebrating the grads. Everything else was about awards for somebody like some other people, um, some other department people, or mm-hmm. or like those um what were they? Oh, I can't think of them. Specialty awards, but Kyle Lowry got one. I just remember him. Uh, the uh, honorary degrees, I think, honorary. are what I'm talking about. Yeah. Exactly. Now, what what you're forgetting, Matt, is a very crucial part of the university experience. I, I'm not and forgetting that's it. I'm, money. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I was gonna let you take off with that one. If you I'd, I'd love to take off on it now. If it's okay with the rest of the uh, folks here. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. All right. That's so what we're talking about. So, so. <laughs> in the weeks leading up to the convocation. Uh, the only f- information we got was that we had to visit this website and our convocation would be there for our special online event. Uh, on the page, there were sort of six bubbles with topics. Uh, the first was a suggestion of using the Acadia hashtag and special Facebook profile filter. The second one was a link where you could order your graduation gowns. Third one was a link where you could order your Acadia merchandise, such as your sweatshirts, all that jazz. Uh, the fourth one was a suggestion that you should join your Acadia alumni, which is something I'll touch on in a second here. And I'm trying to remember what the other two won. Uh, one of them was, don't forget to buy your diploma frames. And the other one was, arrange a watch party with your family, I think. So out of the six things, four of them are directly marketable. And I want to talk about the Acadia alumni thing for a sec. Because it is, if you're unfamiliar, it's supposed to be this network of graduates. But what it boils down to is... A mailing list asking for donations. <laughs> and they mention no it way. several times throughout the hour service, like, and don't forget to sign up for the Acadia alumni service for the invaluable things and support. Yeah, that's not real. They don't actually ask you to donate anything. Oh, do absolutely, they, oh, yeah. they do, my that friend. Is so every, silly. every university will do that. My dad really? still gets calls. Yeah, sure. my parents no still get way. calls. Yes. Hold I, I, I literally rob you out of like into complete debt for 20 years and then they're asking you to donate more money to them that's yeah. so ridiculous correct Amongo. during my convocation where they didn't read my name off mm. yeah no they did they did not read anybody's names they had all these other people come up and be like yes it's a troubling year yes we we've all done they had work. a stock filter I, I i i found out there must have been a memo sent out beforehand because they all say the variation like you are unfortunate but you will be all the stronger for it and sort of variations on that theme so there's definitely some memo that went out they wrote their speeches all got together sort of said the same thing and roughly the same points at their speech so i'm convinced there was something behind the scenes yeah but i think you guys didn't get any screen time or nothing no not even like a mention so that's not entirely true after the fact uh, a lot of facebook moms bless them to death I uh, got really mad at the university because they broadcast it like it was going to be a live event. That was all the advertisement. It was a live. The thing goes live at this point. Mm-hmm. It's a pre-recorded video, so there's nothing live about it. This was filmed a few weeks beforehand. Okay. Uh, so that's problem number one. Problem number two is that they were actively renting out gowns, saying that you should wear them while you watch the pre-recorded video. <laughs> but they didn't say while you watch the pre-recorded video because who in their right mind would rent a uniform to watch a YouTube video, right? It's not something right. you do. Um, yeah. So people were misled. People had brought champagne, waiting for their name to be read. It was this colossal, essentially failure, uh, <laughs> just sort of from every sense. No. Yeah. It, it, oh, yeah, it, it was just so bad. It was, it was so bad. Because then, as Aiden said, like a week, what was it? A week two later, they uploaded another video 
where it was this guy reading off everybody's names who graduated. Mm-hmm. Except for the fact that he read first names incorrectly. One of my friends, uh, Joe, was named James <laughs> for whatever reason. Oh, Lord. Dude, and I thought it was like a mispronunciation. No, issue. no, no. Mez got the fucking name wrong. He also did that, too, where he wouldn't even ask for the right pronunciation. So, like, for example, my girlfriend, Andrea, he read it as Andrea and then completely butchered her last name. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is a hard one, though. It, it's yeah. worth pointing out that as of filming today, I haven't gotten my degree yet. Like, it just hasn't arrived uh, essentially over a month after the fact. And I, I live in town. <laughs> like, I can walk to the university <laughs> in 20 minutes. Uh, yeah, wow. That's confusing. Yeah. yeah, I had the same, like, um, for my convocation, yeah, the same thing. I don't know if it was pre-recorded, but none of, no one's name got read. They just scrolled through the names, and some people's names were actually missing, and people got really mad. So, <laughs> like, like, like pe- people were were asking why like their names weren't on, and it was just a scrolling thing, right? It took a minute <laughs> to scroll through one's name, <laughs> and that was it. That was it. Like, uh, so, uh, they didn't even yeah. mention my specialization on the page where I was listed. They just said uh, computer science with a specialization. You know, my name. In one other guy's name, they didn't say what I specialized in. Oh. Yeah. I just. I mean, that's like that's nitpicking at this point. But how how hard would it have been to just have a live event, and then you have all the people who graduated join the live event, and before you put them, like you could literally just have a giant Zoom call or something like that. Well, that's what Saint Fix did. That's what Dalhousie did. Both of them did that, and that's part of why oh, it's God. weird that Acadia didn't. They literally did what Matt is describing. Are these uh, universities in the same area? These are universities in the same area. Like they're within an hour's drive of each other. Nova Scotia internet just can't Mm. handle that shit, man. The servers. My my internet couldn't. I was on a 1.5 down at the time. (laughs) Megabytes? Yeah. Oh, Lord. And that's excluding the other members of the household, all also trying (laughs) to stream stuff. Aiden lives lives in the boonies. Yes. Lives where no one is. I've got chickens on the property. <laughs> oh, that's lit! You get a nice cockadoodle every morning. No, I don't have a rooster. I've just got hens that just sort of uh, quietly exist in a corner. City folk don't understand the difference. Yeah, you don't belong down here in the country. Hi, my name's Aiden Fisk, and I've got a specialization in game development. <laughs> I yeah. thought you were going to say specialization in chickens. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, oh, wait. That sounds shitty as hell. Uh, <laughs> well. Yeah, that's that's shitty. There's no saving it. Well, I, I got better internet down the road. Uh, not to segue back into game design, as I'm sure you guys are probably sick of hearing me talking about that. <laughs> I was uh, actually going to bring that up, but I didn't yeah, want yeah, like, yeah, yeah, to disrespect yeah. your the 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 sadness and pain of your you know c- ceremony. So I just kind of kept along that line of oh, yeah, I am a adult individual. I don't care about personal pain. Uh, yeah, no, I want to <laughs> talk about. Uh, one of the things Theo mentioned is that Theo has played 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons before, mm-hmm. uh, but a number of his critiques and stuff uh, come from the way he's played D&D before. Uh, so in particular, I'm referring to a game he played with uh, my friend Jake, uh, and mm-hmm. there's there's a concept in gaming called homebrewing. I don't know if you guys have heard of that before or not. No. I don't no, know what uh, it means, but yeah. Okay, so homebrewing is essentially saying 
there's something missing from this game and I want to add to it. Um, so there's this huge Wikipedia of sort of homebrewed D&D classes. I see, I see. Um, and there's no assurance of quality on there. Uh, <laughs> things range wildly from you can control time and just redo everything to severely weak to some genuinely good gems. Um, mm-hmm. As far as I know, when Theo first launched his 5th edition D&D game, he started with saying, anything homebrew is fine, uh, we'll just play around it. Which is a bit like uh, buying a carpet, pissing on it, and then bringing it back to the carpet store and saying, hey, what the hell, man, my carpet r- smells like piss. That's quite the analogy. Yeah. yeah. I, I got that from the uh, developer of Hot Dogs, Horseshoes, and Hand Grenades. I can't take credit for that. but uh, no. no, that's essentially... so. It's hard to look at a I lot of the like critiques. He says disrespectful, yeah, to Five uh, E when you're not playing with the rules, and then you well, I mean, I, yeah. I've played Homebrew. Uh, I've got a system right now I call Jam, which has sort of some sanity mechanics called pulled from Call of Cthulhu mixed in. Um, but I've got a really good understanding of the base game. I know sort of what can be tweaked to sort of produce a different play style. Um, the problem with saying anything goes is that anything goes, right? Right. I want to time travel. You got it. Yeah. I'll just uh, kill it. There's a specific example from the wiki called the Chronology Mage. The effect was that you can just essentially cast anything you want at any time with no consequence. (laughs) Really? uh, Yeah, that's crazy. They didn't take it off the wiki? That's that's silly. There's no quality control in there. That's what I'm getting at, man. So when you allow everything, you allow the absurd. Uh, there's an excellent animated series on YouTube, I forget the exact name of it, where they talk about a playthrough where there's like Super Saiyans and sort of Halo characters, and they're all playing together, but this one guy is way more powerful than everyone else, and no one can deal with them. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Oh, okay. Well, I guess like the Theo's version, the, your playthrough with Theo uh, and Jake probably wasn't that you know, over the top. I, I played for one session, and I ended I up... there for that. You were there for that. Yeah. Um, I didn't make a character for that. I said, I just want to be something disposable so I can get in die quick. Mm-hmm. I opened up my monster manual, which is sort of a catalog of different monsters you can pull from. And I said, I'm going to be a challenge rating one-fourth kobold. And all the challenge rating really means is that in a party of level one adventurers, you can get four of the one-fourth together, and that's a easy level encounter. And these you guys were, I think... There, man. Oh, okay, I, I lost you guys. It's all a bunch you of need... numbers and shit, and, and then my brain just I got hit myself. Um, so challenge rating is how you balance encounters, essentially. Uh, as long as you get a number that adds up to the level of your party, you have a semi-balanced encounter, is what that oh, okay. essentially means. Okay. So when I say I've got a one-fourth level character, it means it's sort of one-fourth the level of a party fighting it with ease. I see. I see. Um, so I... I grabbed a uh, kobold artificer or i think kobold inventor's actual name of it and one of the things it had is a pot of green slime and i'm not going to get too into details but theo had pulled out this sort of boss of some kind it was like a paladin transformer that had light beams yeah Uh, so i I threw a pot of green slime at it and Theo's like (laughs) ah you kill him and he can't get it off and it's awful and he was he was actually kind of upset (laughs) <laughs> those Theo, are one fourth kobold Theo was so upset because we were fighting this thing for I think like three turns or something and then you showed up three or four turns we were, we were fighting it for like a good 20-30 minutes and then you show up and you're like yeah here guys I'm just gonna I'm just gonna jump in and Theo's like okay sure man and then you jump in and you hit it like one shot 
And that was well, it. There's a, and I'm getting into the more advanced D&D rules, so I'll try not to overwhelm you guys. Uh, there's a new system in the game called Sidekicks, where if the party member really likes a certain character or they befriend a monster or something, uh, there's rules to take their stat block, if it's one-fourth or lower, and add on to it so it sort of scales with the party as like a friend they travel with. Uh, oh. So even excluding uh, the benefits that would be given onto that monster, it's still proved a uh, <laughs> too much of a threat. <laughs> it was I don't know, man. That green slime sounds pretty powerful. You just happen to one shot boss level monster. Well, part of that, and it's a thing that you get from playing D D a lot, is that you know that monsters aren't similar to player characters. They sort of have different stats entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what Theo had done for this character is he had rolled up a Warforged Paladin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warforged are sort of like these robot characters in D&D. And he'd made it, I think, I want to say level 6, which is a lot higher than what the party was at the time. And the problem with using a player character as a monster the players fight is that they aren't built for that. Um, so their hit dice, for example, is a lot lower. That's how many sort of hit points they have. Uh, they really only have one attack per round, whereas monsters can make multiple. So the balance is thrown out the window when you do that, unless you're really crafty and do some behind-the-scenes stuff. So, <laughs> pro tip, uh, if you ever want to customize a fight in Dungeons & Dragons, uh, pick a monster that's of the appropriate challenge rating, and just freaking say it's something else. Uh, I've thrown griffins at my party probably 15 times and just said, oh, this is a large spider. This is a young dragon. <laughs> Doesn't fucking matter. Like, you're rolling the same amount of damage and stuff anyway. Like, don't bother looking up 15 friggin' tables. Just pick one thing that works and use it. Uh, <laughs> wow. yeah, sorry, I'm getting the... So, so was the, the paladin's weakness was green slime. Well, green slime is designed to dissolve armor and stuff. It's sort of, it's a trap in D&D. Uh, so uh, when you have a robot enemy that's all metal, uh, that cascades uh, into problems. Okay, I didn't know that. I mean, I like <laughs> kobolds are sort of these half dog, sort of half rat, half dragon wait. things that are like the size of a small animal. Wait, wait. So, 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 so Theo was the DM. Yeah, yeah. Theo was a, a dungeon master. I so, showed up. I said, "Yeah, oh, okay." So, and you, you just show up, and you, and he can't do anything about that, even though he's the dungeon master. Well, I mean, I, I popped in because I was actually running another game upstairs, and we had wrapped up. Uh, so I came down. I was like, "Hey, I got 15 minutes to kill. Can I be a kobold? Kobolds are joke characters because they're stupid weak. Um, like I had like Not three. <laughs> I had three hit points. Most characters have around 20." I didn't have any armor class. My weapon is like a beehive on a stick, which is like it's a stick. Okay, okay, okay. So you throw so, the slime, and he can't say it does. Like, like what I'm. There's like a well, rule that it affects it that way. There are rules it affects it that way, but uh, there are also rules a dungeon master can use to get around that. So yeah, if you're okay. if you're making a boss character, something you can do is called legendary resistance, where as a dungeon master you can just say oh, he doesn't affect them this time, and you tick off that they've used one of their three uses. And this, from a design perspective, prevents characters from walking into this epic battle and just saying, oh, you're dead. Or, oh, I, I send you to a demiplane, or something like that. It's ways of sort of extending the fight out within reason. Hmm. <laughs> Not this time. 
Not this time. <laughs> Not this, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, to be fair, that was pretty early on, so I don't blame him for not knowing that, but... Yeah, uh, well, okay. So he doesn't like D&D because, uh, because of Green Slime. I, I don't want to blame Green Slime, but I think it may have played a role. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. I understand now. Ah, jeez. If it all comes back, that rule of the three was this sort of extended, oh, I'm going to make a game where there's no green slime. And everyone is really high AC and they are affected by green slime. That's a very oh, bad imitation. I, I don't think that's what it was. Because Theo says he's been working on this game for a really long time. So, mm-hmm. Well, it's evident there's so many things in there. Yeah. I wonder if he knows about everything in there. I, I don't think like so. it does. I, I think that if you brought something up to him, he'd remember it. But if you asked him to name all 130, I don't, I don't think anyone could. Nah, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. But I was uh, naming off spells like just because I had done a lot of reading and I was picking out some pretty like weird ones. And you know, he immediately was like, "Ah, yes, that's a good one. That can combo with this, this, and that." And I didn't even know about that this, this, and that stuff, which was uh, which is pretty impressive. He kind of just like knew everything because mm-hmm. i picked up some, some ones that aren't that obvious are kind of obscure but that might mm-hmm. even make it easier to remember i suppose yeah whatever yeah no you, you work with something for a long time yeah he's pretty nice you didn't become intimately familiar with it and sort of becomes an extension of the person that's true yeah oh so, so that's what metagaming is sorry not to cut you off yeah, uh, this yeah, is another thing i have i, I took notes it. when i watched yeah. the video um, Theo kind of misrepresents what metagaming is, and I just sort of want to clarify that yeah, real quick. He said he he really doesn't like it. I I didn't really understand what metagaming okay. is, but so as Theo, he, he's partially right. Metagaming is using knowledge outside the game within the game to sort of manipulate the rules. Um, I played a game a while back called Curse of Strahd, which is a D and D pre-written adventure, and one of the gimmicks of that of using a pre-written adventure is that there are written in weaknesses to certain monsters. So Count Strahd von Zarevich, the sort of vampire overlord, uh, had a few weaknesses that the players wouldn't know about. Like there's a talisman hidden in a tower, and if you get that, you can neutralize one of his abilities, and throughout the game you can come to discover it. Uh, mm-hmm. A case of metagaming in that sense was I had a player who bought the module, flipped uh-huh. through it, looked through the specific page, and said, aha, if we go to this tower, I can pull out... I can say, oh, I want to look at the bricks to see if any are loose. And then I can have this really powerful thing for myself. Bastard. Yep, so, <laughs> he, he knew. He, so he saw you guys were playing that game and just went and bought the thing. I, I got real mad at him after that. I said, <laughs> no, I'm doing something else now. The amulet is worthless. You need to get this sword. And I'm frantically Googling where can I hide a sword in Curse of Strut. <sighs> uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, sorry for cutting off your stride there, my man. Keep going. Uh, yeah, no, um, there are some things that Theo's mentions, like you really need to know tables and stuff, mm. which I take some offense to, mainly because there really aren't tables in D&D. Well, what does that know. mean? What, what, is, what does tables mean? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm wondering at the same time what it means, because when Theo says there are so many tables and stuff you got to memorize, I don't really know what he's talking about. Um, <laughs> like, the closest thing... Sheets? Well, that's what I'm thinking, right? But as far as I can tell, what Theo's referring to is he's talking to... uh, Monsters have a stat block, which is like a little box that has only information about them. So 
Uh, if you were fighting a griffin, like you probably will if you play with me, uh, it has listed they have an armor class of 12, which is how high you need to roll to hit them. They've got X amount of hit points, and these are the attacks they can do. You don't really need to memorize those. The books are more of a reference than something you memorize. Mm -hmm. um, and it isn't expected that players know that information. Um, there are ways that you can sort of tell the players how a character or an enemy is doing throughout the game without telling them deliberately they have 15 hit points left. Um, a tactic which Theo has partially adopted in his system is to say they're bloodied, uh, which is a carryover from 4th edition D&D, where a bloodied monster has less than half hit points. Or, you know, a player could say, which one looks the most damaged? And I'll say, this one that you've stabbed eight times looks the worst off. There, there are ways of getting around the metagaming of asking, oh, this one's got ten hit points left. There are ways of getting around that without asking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, that's something you get with playing a lot of D&Ds. You sort of get a rough sense of how things are going based on descriptions and stuff, but... Yeah, like yeah. when Theo was talking about it, I didn't quite get it that much either. But uh, it, to me, it does seem more fun to not know exactly how much HP someone has, but just kind of a like a rough <laughs> idea that this one's on his last breath and stuff. I mean, we kind of had like this uh, session where I had a really clever friend of mine, and he just he was uh, he was ha giving the DM a hard time, you know, <laughs> uh, and ask a billion questions. It's like which one of them is uh is like almost dead and the dm's like it's this one he he seems like um he's he's kind of weak and he'll just bombard him with questions like oh how dead is he you know like is he on his last leg does it seem like i can touch him and kill him and um I, I, at one point the dm gave up and said yeah yeah he's on one <laughs> hp and like uh, to me that that was funny when it happened mm -hmm. but it just wasn't like if if we were to play an actual game that wouldn't be the most fun in my opinion and uh, mm -hmm. obviously, my friend wasn't made for this kind of shit either. He, he's yeah. he's more of a league guy, um, <laughs> but yeah, well, like I, mean, I, I totally get what you what you mean now. I, guess. I mean, there's definitely some groups that will openly say this has an AC of this, this has a health of this. Strategize amongst yourselves how you want to approach this. Mm. Um, oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean, look, a, a ton of the stuff in D and D has optional rules for how you can play the game and sort of tweak uh, it to make it fit your group style. It even lists out, actually, uh, different personality types you'll encounter when you play D&D. &D. So there's, like, wow. the mad scientist will always try and activate the traps. Uh, the passive audience member is just sort of there for the game. They won't say much, but they'll take their turns as required. It, it sort of breaks down. So as a dungeon master, you can say, okay, uh, Matt is this kind of character. He isn't really big on the rules. I can tweak, you know, this aspect of the game to sort of better suit him while also accounting for other players. So... This stuff is all written down. You just sort of have to look for it. Oh. Okay. Okay. I definitely prefer the um, the, the kind of the more realistic thing because, because to me, it's it's a role playing game still, and mm -hmm. it's not so much like an actual game. But I do see I do see how it can yeah how people play it like as an actual game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. I I I was gonna ask um like it. Do you need a lot of expertise to be a dungeon master, or can anyone be one? Anyone can be a dungeon master. Um, there are some elitist stuff online that say you need to really know the rules. You don't really. Uh, my suggestion to anyone that's interested in playing Dungeons & Dragons uh, is to go online. They've got a free supplement called The Lost Minds of Fandelver. It's a really short, pre-written adventure that goes from level 1 to level 3. Uh, it comes with pre-made characters with instructions on how to level up those characters. 
And sort of as you progress through it, it starts off with, you know, the basics of how to roll a check. And it starts off with a really simple combat. And it gives the dungeon master pre-written blocks of text to read to sort of describe what's going on, when to call for a certain check. So you can get your feet wet, get a sense of what being a dungeon master might be like. And then the, the way the adventure sets off is you level up really quickly. And it's a springboard into whatever else you want to go off and do, whether it's another pre-written adventure or something you make up as you go along. Okay, so like, um, so you, so like for you guys or or for 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 people who really know it, they just make up everything. Not make up everything, but um, kind of. Okay, so I guess like the more you know, the 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 less you have to go by like a standard playthrough kind of. Yeah, well, the more you know as a dungeon master, the more wiggle room and sort of tricks you have up your sleeve to sort of get out of tight scrapes and sort of keep the game moving along. Um, my preferred sort of mode of play, though, is to do uh, pre-written adventures. So uh, Wizards of the Coast, which is the company that owns D&D, uh, will produce sort of about once or twice a year. They'll do a book about 320 pages in length, varying in what levels. Usually it'll go from level 3 to level 10. That'll take you about five or six months to play through, oh, and it's okay. like a it's like a pre-written adventure, you know. And they vary. I've got one here that's loosely based on the thing where you're in the Arctic and you're sort of looking for this monster that's sort of imitating people. Uh, mm. Curse of Strahd is a fantastic one. I absolutely love it. It's about the sort of you're trapped in this realm with a vampire sort of overlord, and the players are sort of wandering about trying to figure out how to escape. So there are options, but you're entirely within your right to use some, none, just sort of make stuff up as you go along. So it kind of seems hard, though, to me, because as a game master, you, uh, the players, they do a lot of their own shit. Um, mm -hmm. How do you account for that? I feel like you, you have to be like a genius to... Yeah, to that's what like I think. ...into everything account, right? Yeah. Like to I try think to... you have to be a genius, yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, the, the, the best way to account for what the players do is not to account at all, paradoxically. Um, so, so here's one example I'll, I'll try and throw at you guys. Uh, I had a puzzle in one of the games I ran where the players needed to get behind a secret door to progress throughout the mission. Um, yes. What I did is I, I put in four different ways they could get the door open. The first was they could try and pick the lock. Uh, the second was they could find a, like a key or a combination somewhere in the room. Uh, the third, I sort of left, maybe they could force it open. And then the fourth, if they really aren't figuring out how to get through the store, the door opens up and a monster comes out and they have a little combat <laughs> encounter. Oh, okay. So, Okay. So as long as you account for a few ways to solve obstacles, and I mean you don't have to, but it helps. That sounds like you've accounted for all ways of solving a puzzle. I mean you don't need to. Often they'll surprise you. Um, I, I'm so in my jam campaign right now, which is sort of like a really heavily homebrewed thing I do. Uh, mm -hmm. It's sort of set in like a pseudo 1950s 1960s setting. Cool. Uh, and I gave one of the players a chainsaw, just because they asked for one. Oh. And that chainsaw's come up at every obstacle I've thrown at them. <laughs> so, it, in some respects, you got to be careful, but you know you can draw the line at certain points, and there's things to sort of circumvent it. Like, no, this door's made of metal; you can't cut through it with a chainsaw. Do something else. <laughs> hmm, hmm, damn. Wow. This just still seems like a lot that you have to think about as a game master. Yeah. You're not you. You're not built 
like the average man if you're a game master. You're the actual, <laughs> I'm thinking like yeah, you're the actual game itself. Like they, the, the players interact with you. And you have to keep track and holy, that's insane. Well, there, there's a number of tricks you can do to sort of stall for time if you find yourself panicking. <laughs> Uh, the oh, most yeah. basic, the, the, <laughs> well, listen, like I've had situations where the players are like, OK, let's go to this place next. And I'm like, well, shoot, I don't have that dungeon made up. I don't have maps. I don't know what's in there. I just sort of have in a footnote, yeah. maybe a dungeon here. Uh, so <laughs> what I'll do in that session is, you know, if yeah. it's getting close to the end point, we'll call mm -hmm. it early, sort of on a cliffhanger and I'll prepare it later on down the line. Okay. Or if it's early in the session, I'll throw a combat encounter at them. Because that takes about an hour and a half. <laughs> you throw some goblins at them, you really only need to make like one roll around. You can just sort of go autopilot. Meanwhile, you're like frantically going through other stuff like, ah, shit, where's a thing I can plagiarize and use as my own dungeon? Okay, and the players I, I will... There, there's... <laughs> dungeon masters aren't nearly as smart as you think they are. But you see, that's tough, though. You're like, yeah. you're making a new dungeon while... Kevin getting these people like fighting and stuff while that you're playing. That's that's something and special. And you can't show that you're flustered, I think, right? Like you can't show that. Oh, yeah, your players will be like, ah, oh, is this guy really like know what he's doing or Well, I mean listen, at, at the end of the day you're playing a game with your friends. So you can always just say, Hey guys, I didn't think you were going here. Uh can you just give me like a minute while I try and figure something out here? And okay, you, you know, you're completely in your element to do that. They're not gonna like Pitchfork, yeah, or something like these yeah, are guys yeah, are playing right, right. Yeah, I mean, we were taking this. It's, the, the stakes aren't nearly as high as you think they are. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, I, you're right. I, I yeah? actually ran a uh, a game when I was with the kids during camp last year. Oh, okay, we played D &D. Okay. It was a super, super dumbed down version of D and D because mm -hmm. I mean, they're all like ten year old kids or something like that. I mean, also you're running it, so. Oh, yeah, that's don't too. come on. Give Matt some credit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I just had to throw something in there, man. That's why. Okay. No, no, but but it, it was, but it was really hard too because all of a sudden they would do like something totally random, and then I'd have to come oh, up with true. something like BS. Yo, kids are the excuse. most unpredictable. Yeah, kids they are, are insane. Yeah. yeah, they were so hard to like predict. So I just come up with something random, and I'd, and I'd just be like, "You can't argue with the dungeon master." <laughs> <laughs> have you guys uh have you guys heard of Axe Cop before? Do you know what that is? No. No, what is it? Axe Cop is a is a comic sort of animated series that got picked up by Adult Swim later on. The entire premise of it is this guy asked his five year old to come up with a story and then he sort of cleans it up a little bit and sort yeah. of draws comics and stuff for it. And you immediately see, you know, there are little things that inspire the kid, but it's just this acid trip of I'm Axe Cop, and I'm going to cut your head off. And this is Dinosaur Soldier, who is Unicorn Horn and Lemon Hands. and It just spirals out of control really, really quickly. But it's hilarious. Yeah, you, you well, said I something. Acid it. Trip? That makes so much sense, though. I think you know, I've seen like... these comics before, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I definitely have. Yeah. That's I, I have no idea what this is. I have never seen anything like that. Axe Cop, I'm going that to was... cut your head off, is his catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> no 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 i haven't seen anything uh like that but i have seen this you know the artist that draws his five-year-old's uh drawings but better have you seen that it's all over facebook no i i think oh. i've seen something like that like, I, yeah, I admittedly don't use facebook very often
to stuff like Twitter. Mm. Like kids, they're just high all the fucking time. <laughs> yeah, they. Do a break chord again. Uh, oh, yeah. features sort of like a Ron Swanson style cop holding a fireman's axe. In one arm, he's got a baby with a unicorn horn. And in the background, you see several characters. Notably, there's a uh, dinosaur with Gatling gun arms. Uh, there's a man with socks for arms holding a chainsaw. It's just insane. Oh, it's great. A, a potato wielding a, a glock? Uh, so that's Dinosaur Soldier who gets avocado blood on him and turns into avocado soldier. <laughs> this is the... I just posted the one that I actually had. I remember I got it as a as a freebie. I got oh. I got this one as like a free, free comic, I think, on like... When it was like day. Yeah, yeah, free comic day, yeah. yeah. And they gave it to me. And I was like, what is this? I don't think I ever read it, but... No. I just know I have it. It's amazing. worth... It it reads like a five year old is describing it because it's like an ex cop needed to get more powerful, so we had cop tryouts so he could become more powerful. Wherein he hired flute cop, and they went and chopped the heads off the dinosaur gang to get more powerful. To get more powerful, that comes yeah. on. <laughs> the majority of the comics them sitting in cop tryouts, auditioning these new characters the kid comes up with. Yeah, that's, oh. that's fucking sick. I'm gonna. So this is like in essence like what a dungeon master has to do almost like kind of there's rules to what you can put in a comic put in a show kind of but you kind of take what the players say and have to work around it yeah well as a dungeon master you can sort of it's not all the dungeon master's responsibility there's a lot of give and take from the players so when you have a guy show up let's say they you have a character that's like, hi, my character is an axe cop, and he chops off heads, and he wants to do this and this yeah. and this. Right off the bat, you've got a prompt for what you can do further down the line, where it's like, okay, he's an axe that likes to chop heads off. You know, maybe I can do something with that. Like, what's fun to chop the head off? Like a stegosaurus or those long-necked <laughs> dinosaurs? Throw some of those in there, or we'll give him a special axe, and that can be something he works towards. I see. Damn. Whoa! Yeah, it's it's uh definitely still a skill though that you you uh. I mean, you get better players. at it, but yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but as soon as you st it, it's like uh game development. The sooner you start doing, the sooner you start realizing you know this really isn't that hard. Everyone I know that's done this has been faking it the whole time. <laughs> or maybe yeah. that's just me, and I've edited myself. <laughs> but but there must have been a time where you too were like this shit's. Pretty oh yeah. Nuts. Uh, when I first started playing fifth edition D and D, uh, my only experience was playing fourth edition, which is significantly different the way everything works. Yeah, yeah. And I really, I didn't know you could cast a spell more than once. I thought it was limited. Once you cast fireball, you couldn't cast it for another day. So my playstyle, completely an accident, was I wouldn't cast a spell more than once. <laughs> and it it kind of worked out. But I found out a year and a half later after the campaign, oh, and then God. I was like, well. Well, dang! I could have done something there. So it's yeah. it's always learning. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
I feel like it's the same for for uh, any skill actually. You know, I was uh, doing drawing stuff, uh, doing the art stuff, anime girls, titties everywhere, shit like that. Um, maybe <laughs> two years ago it started, and I thought it was just the most impossible thing. Um, until now, where I actually learned some like basics, and I was like, oh, it's not that bad. You know, people kind of overhype it a little bit. So I I see what you mean with the whole dungeon master thing, but yeah, it's definitely something you still gotta maybe get used to yeah. a bit. I well, think you just I, have to be really confident, almost. I, mean, like, I, I I don't think I would ever be able to. You, you've got two options. You, you can either be really <laughs> confident, or you can just be ignorant of the difficulties. <laughs> Both work equally well. What does that mean? Ignorant of the difficulties. It's confidence, Gabe. If you don't know what the problems like, if you don't know the responsibilities of a dungeon master, but you've read the rules and you sort of have an idea of how it plays out, you can just get in there and not worry about very specific balance things. But as you go through it, you'll pick it up down the way. Um, oh. As long as you're not intimidated by it, you can't be afraid of it. Is a good way of thinking about it. Because I'm thinking like if I'm if I'm the dungeon master and I'm like creating the story or whatever, and then like 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 a player's like. I don't know. They just like argue or something. I mean, I'll I'll start being like, hmm. Well, if a player's <laughs> arguing with you, you go, "Hey, shut up! I'm in charge." I mean, Sit they, down. I don't know with anyone that would argue with you. Rocks fall. Your point. wizard's dead. Make a new one. <laughs> Rah, I'm power tripping now. I'm the bad guy. I don't know. Yeah. See. Dragon <laughs> fucking blasted your ass. Now get the fuck out of here. Sit down. <laughs> you challenge. It, it, it's funny you bring that up, though, because that is a, a legitimate problem in some of the tabletop games. Uh, the term rules lawyer is thrown around a lot. What's that? And it's characters who have a really in-depth knowledge of the game and try and tweak it to sort of gain some sort of advantage over the dungeon master in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt, have I told you about Old Man Anderson? Don't no. think so. No. So uh, a while back, I was a player in a Dungeons and Dragons game. Uh, coincidentally, it was the same guy who had cheated in my vampire campaign. So I had a bit of a vendetta to fulfill. Oh no! Uh, che- so wait, I wait, what? What do you mean by cheated? Uh, read the module ahead of time. Oh, uh, he, yeah, brought okay, weighted, gotcha. he brought weighted dice in on the uh, final what? game. What? No way! Yeah, oh, actually, okay. you, you can do a test where if you put plastic dice in salt water, <laughs> they'll float up, and if there's an imbalance, they'll... Holy uh, so he did that. He started calling out, no, don't use this. Use this instead, because it's the only thing that'll work, and we can't go there, because we'll... Yeah, just, I, had, I was a bit miffed at that guy, because we'd spent six months building up to that point. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I said about saying, sense. okay, I'm going to be a player in this game. I've got a decent knowledge of the rules. How can I build a character specifically aimed to sort of derail what he has planned and sort of make the thing unfun for him? Uh, so the end result was uh, Old Man Anderson, which is based on a Call of Cthulhu story called Old Man Henderson. Uh, okay. What it boils down to is I uh, built essentially a wizard character with almost no combat spells, but a ton of abilities that would either make people hostile towards us that aren't supposed to, uh, <laughs> make certain characters invulnerable for a bit to prevent key plot moments from going on, uh, <laughs> other stuff. But the creme de la creme was 320 pages of backstory justifying anything oh I make up on the spot. Uh, I filled that thing over the course of a month and a half with just every thing I thought would be useful to bring up. Uh, an elf has a lifespan of like 500 years. 
and I made them like 600 years old. So I went, okay, uh, I wrote out, you know, here's every course I took in my four years of college laid out in times table. Uh, that thing was a tome of madness. It switched theme randomly. At one point, it was a short story, poem, uh, stage play. At one point, I wrote a section in Wealth just to screw with the guy. It, the, the effects were multifold because it was so long, the guy's never going to read it. So he's going to think I'm serious about the character. But also, because he's not going to read it, I can just add stuff later and he wouldn't know. So you, you wrote 300, do you say 300 pages? Of 320 pages, exactly. Oh my uh, I was paying God. homage to a character called uh, Old Man Henderson, who I'd read about online that did the same thing. That turned <laughs> out to be a, a fake story, not to ruin anything. Oh, so I was like, Lord, you made it real. That's, that's I made it real, yeah. I've got it sitting here on a shelf. It cost $80 to print out. <laughs> oh, I Let me tell you, man, the, this now. the, the, the satisfying God. thunk of the volume when you un, you pull it out of a bag. and oh, I, I will never forget that moment of just pulling it out and thunk. He oh stopped running the game immediately after that session. There was no second session, so I fulfilled my goal, but... Yeah. <laughs> Bruh. Oh, if I was running a session and somebody whipped out like a... Like a book like that, I tell him to get the fuck out of here. I, I'm dealing with well, that that's shit. what that's what the guy should have done because it was obvious yeah. something was up. Normal people yeah, don't do that. Really. Oh. I was fueled by spite and rage. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> ah, goddamn, Aiden. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's one amazing story. Yeah. That is oh, that is so good. Uh, I'm thinking. I, I'm still curious though about um some more D&D stuff, if you don't mm -hmm. mind jumping back. Uh, Dio said he didn't like the combat. Mm. That's a piss-on-the-carpet scenario, where you've got so okay. much homebrew stuff. Uh, I, again, I, I, I took notes. His main complaints were that looking at manuals and stuff aren't fun. Which, you know, to, to each their own. As a dungeon master, you kind of have to know who you're fighting. Mm -hmm. But again, there are shortcuts to get around that. Um... I, I really have to drive home that there aren't really tables in D&D. Uh, I can only assume he was doing some homebrew stuff that used a lot of references and convoluted stuff to get around that. I see. Uh, so what you mean by that is sort of just like... Um, so in my mind, it's uh, tables are like things p players and dungeon masters use to, 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 to like kind of focus on the technicalities and be like, I know actually I'm right. Um, and I get to do this thing too bad. <laughs> um, is that, is that kind of, that's, it, that's a little misleading. And I think it's the, the way he said it sort of seems like it would scare you off from playing D and D, which is part of the reason I wanted to come no, on. He here. didn't say that. That's what, that's what I'm getting. That's like my mm -hmm. high, uh, high like, you know, just me guessing at what it is. So be behind the scenes, uh, as the dungeon master, um, you don't have tables like you're entering this room, so we need to check this table to so see what you find. A lot of that you just sort of make up on the spot. Um, but th there are some things that you do have references for. Um, I mentioned this earlier. Monster stat blocks are one of the big ones because they sort of they're about the size of a uh, cue card, and they have all the information you need to use that monster. Mm -hmm. um, spells have their own little district or descriptions, but they're sort of separated alphabetically and have. There's no cross-referencing or anything like that. If you need to figure out how Fireball works, you sort of go alphabetically, find F, there's Fireball, here's the information you need to use Fireball. 
There's that. Right. So there is some referencing manuals and stuff, but it isn't like you're looking at a big table and you're going, okay, spells, do 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 do, turn to this page for this effect <laughs> that does this. It isn't as nearly as complex as it, you would think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may cross-reference like one spell doesn't usually fo- uh, require another spell to use. Yeah, no, there's no real like comboing of effects. Uh, so if we compare this to Rule of Three, for example, um, there's uh-huh. some abilities that like will give you Oversense, which will do a separate thing. And then you go, okay, what's Oversense? Flip, flip, flip. Oversense provides this and this and has a special effect. If it's staggered, what's staggered? Flip, flip, flip. You know, there's none of that stuff in D&D. It's, I cast a fireball. I deal this much damage. Okay, next turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, fifth edition D&D is really simple, or simplified as compared to previous editions. Um, Why is it feature- Well, Why is- uh, f- to fully understand this, you really got to go back to fourth edition D&D and sort of the mess that combat was in that. Uh, notably, every character was like a pseudo-spellcaster, so kind of similar to Theo's Rule of Three games, where everyone has different abilities and stuff. Everyone had their at-will powers, their encounter powers, and their daily powers. No sort of scaled, like, you could use these whenever, you can use this once a combat, and you can use this once a day. So they sort of scaled in power that way. Um, but they all sort of interacted in weird ways. So, like, uh, there was a class called Warlord, which would give you a d4 on certain attacks. Um, bards could give you extra d6s. So when it came to your turn in combat, you had, like, eight things other players had done to sort of throw on top of whatever you were adding onto the pile. So it became this clustered, interconnected web of weird modifiers and stuff. So when 5th edition D&D came out, they said, okay, we're going to get rid of that. And they came up with a thing called bounded accuracy, which sounds intimidating, but all that means is that you've got reliable numbers you can call on to represent difficulty. So uh, if you're ever a dungeon master and a player needs to make a check of some kind and you don't know what the difficulty is, you can reliably say, okay, a challenge in the world that might be a little difficult but still possible is 15. Um, uh, and then you can use that to say, okay, if you need to get past a barricade, pick a lock. Uh, if the players encounter a monster you don't have stats for, you can just say 15 is the AC. It, it's a reliable number to help make stuff up on the fly, I see. essentially. Yeah, that's pretty um, cool. Yeah, and because players' power and numbers don't scale insane, you can always depend the upper maximum that a player will get is a plus 10 to their roll. So they're never really going to get above 30. So you can set 30 as this impossible thing if they want to try and do something. And it is feasible for them to reach it, but almost never. You said something about... You you said D&D 4th edition is worse than 5th edition, but uh, Mm -hmm. Matt gave... Am I crazy or did Theo say he liked the previous versions more than he liked 5th edition? I don't recall, but... I don't think he. I, I listened several times. I didn't pick up on him talking about fourth edition. Right, he said yeah, combat in fifth edition sucks, okay. uh, which <laughs> that was that was the furthest he went into editions of D anD D before talking about his other stuff. So why did he say it sucks again? It's because uh, it's piss not- on the carpet. Uh, he like what? He added some stuff or? Um. Yeah. So we had added some stuff from outside the game that changed things up. Um. I'll, if you look at the rule of three system, a lot of it is 
keyed into multi-action combos and buffs and stuff. So in 5th edition, a round might go, I approach this goblin, and I stab it with my sword. Roll your damage, onto the next turn. Uh, in 4th edition, it might go like, I approach this goblin, and I use my cleave, which pushes it back 5 feet, and that procs my Whirligirder strike, and then I pull him back, and then this other player cascades into nonsense combos that no one really understands. He, so there's He likes the complex stuff? Yeah, it seems like he likes it, combos. It's, yeah. it, it's really... It's a different style of play. So 5th edition was praised because combat usually takes about an hour to do in 5e. Um, as a general footnote, if you don't know how much hit points a monster has, but you want to stall for time, six rounds is about how long a D&D &D game will last. So you can just sort of say it's alive until that point. Um, oh, the, but in 4th edition, everything is so tactical and interconnected, you'll end up with rolls of like 50 pretty easily. So it's Wild, there's so many numbers going around. Uh, you say one round takes an hour? One uh, so, round. one combat encounter. So, if you're attacked oh, by a group of goblins, right. it'll take about an hour to clean that up. Right, in fourth right. edition, and I, I don't think I mentioned this or not, uh, I spent several weeks in one room when I first started oh. out playing DD. Oh, oh, yeah. One, one I, I remember it distinctly. I was a dwarven bard named Theron Stone Onyx. Uh, <laughs> I was at a table with five of my other friends. We met up every half day, sort of when school ended early, so we'd go over and play for five, six hours. Okay. Um, yeah. During the summer, we met up every day for about, again, six hours. We'd order pizza, and it was a blast. But it was always in one combat encounter. It was against this sort of <sighs> vampire lizard named Malik, and he had two guard drakes. And it lasted for so long. We were in that room for weeks. Oh, <laughs> so. So when I say 4E combat was a mess, I mean it can get really complex because turns take forever because there's a million things going on. Damn. Th that was a... Yeah. Fourth edition was almost the... Hmm? From that. How, how do you guys not like just get impatient? and? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, the answer is we did. And th we, the answer is we did get impatient and that further added to the length of people complaining and then turns taking longer. Like, oh, I wish it was my turn because we were like, I don't know, like 12, 14. You got the attention span of a newt, just sort of flipping, flipping, flipping. <laughs> right, right, right. Damn. And then when it, it comes your turn and you've got five pages of things, and it's like, God, what do I do? Because what I did, what I was thinking of doing an hour ago was no longer applicable because everything's changed so much. And <laughs> Jesus. <sighs> yeah, yeah, it's so anyway. Yeah. Huh? Fifth edition really simplified things and sort of they introduced the idea of having the pillars of the game. So combat is a pillar of the game. Exploration is a uh, pillar of the game. And mm. social interaction is a pillar of the game. So exploration would be like looking around a dungeon, dealing with traps, that sort of thing. Mm. Social interaction is talking to NPCs and stuff like that. So it, oh. it's built around having these three core concepts that the players interact with. And you sort of mix and match in between them to sort of create this uh, dynamic world as opposed to tactic, 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 combat. Scuttle, scuttle, scuttle through a hallway. Tactic, 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 combat. Scuttle, scuttle, scuttle. Damn. Yeah. This, uh, we were playing D&D 5th edition, and uh, one of our characters was a monk. The same guy I told you about, by the way. And um, mm -hmm. even that was too much for him. He'd be like, oh, auto attack. Yep. And then the auto attack, I'm allowed to uh, use a key ability. Uh, another attack. And then, you know, people would go on their phones and shit. So... Mm -hmm. 
You know, yeah, I can't amongst... even imagine what the fourth edition uh, twenty-page combo is is like. Yeah, it's nuts. Uh, I I've I've not played a monk personally, but I do know they they're notorious for getting a lot of actions and moving around really quick and having some weird interactions. Yeah, I'm just like I I see this guy rolling uh, seven dice uh, per turn, and I'm here just bam, I hit. No, I don't. <laughs> Next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Wait, wait. Um, I I'm curious now about like. So it sounds like to me it goes like first edition to the fourth edition, and it makes sense. That it keeps getting more complex until fourth edition, and they realize it's too much, and then comes fifth edition. So what was is fifth edition like? Like what was first edition like? Was it was it, was it just it was, simple? So I I haven't played a lot of the early editions. I I think the. There, there was D and D. Then I think there was advanced D and D. Then there was third. There was a three point five edition. Weirdly, okay. uh, then you get into fourth and fifth. And the the main difference is is they sort of try and change how the game works. So I, I I'm I, I'm not familiar with how first edition really works. But my understanding is it was pretty bare bones. Uh, yeah, I, I know wizards had an ability called magic missile. And in later editions, they reworked it so it's like this auto-seeking magic thing that always hits. But originally, it was exactly what it sounded like. It was sort of a missile or a projectile projectile weapon that was magic. And it was sort of really simplified. And a lot of it originally was making stuff up as they go. And that's carryovered into later editions where we have some spells that have a name attributed with them. Um, So one spell is like Melf's Acid Arrow. And Melf was a uh, ranger that played in the original D&D campaign. It was like, man, I wish I could shoot an arrow covered in acid. And Gary Gygax was like, so it shall be by my divine command as D&D god. Oh. <laughs> He's the guy that made D&D? Yeah, he was the guy that originally made D&D. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Seems... <laughs> Seems like you know a lot about D and D, so I I I totally get it. If I were you, mm-hmm. and I listened to that previous podcast, I'd be fuming. <laughs> I, I'd well, go up there and then beat him up a little bit, you know, give him the give him these hands. But I don't know. Um, um, there's yeah. no anger or spite for me. I just really like D and D, and I don't want people <laughs> turned off by saying, "Oh, there's a ton of tables, and my system is way better." You should do that. D and D is pretty dang good. Yeah. Uh, if you're interested in D and D, don't have a group to play with. Uh, Ooh. Interestingly enough, podcasts are a really great way to start. Uh, before I played any D and D, I got started with a thing called Acquisitions Incorporated, and they're sort of uh, live play, sort of recorded sessions. So they got like Will Wheaton on there. It was a D and D sponsored. You could just watch games being played and see how the characters interact. So if you if you don't have a group to play D and D with, but you're curious about it and you you're not really comfortable starting a game on your own, you can take a look at that and just sort of get an idea of what it's like. Uh, Critical Role is a popular one that's just finishing up their new season and starting a new one. Damn. Uh, there, there's tons of stuff out there. You can they play with you, Aiden? Would you do a campaign with them? If any what, of our listeners, no, if any of our listeners want to, uh, no, I don't got. I got so much shit in my I'm I'm in two games right now, and I just signed up for a third today. That's essentially nine (laughs) hours of my week accounted for. I don't don't 
don't message me. I don't have yeah, time for that. That's like a full-time <laughs> you, job and more. I'm not going to sit down and tell you how to play a game over a voice call. No, get out of here. I got my own <laughs> stuff. Get your, get your own friends. Ew, it's not that cool. hard. You'll figure it out. It's a, it's a game. Come on. I can hold your hand. Figure it out. Make something up. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Gonna Wait. extend an invitation to strangers from a podcast? You're insane. I like this guy. He he makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it's worth a shot. I mean, we always ask the listeners to always. Uh, at least Gabe does. I oh yeah. Gabe's always like, if anybody has something they don't like, you know, hit us up. I don't want to hear the insane ramblings of someone that thinks they know what they're talking about. Are you crazy? <laughs> what do you reckon? Do you reckon something? Why not no, leave us a comment on Lost Together Podcast? Click on the button that says, tell me your reckons. What do you think about Dungeons and Dragons? Do you play That's what you did. Can you imagine Matt, if you did? That's what I did with Matt. And then we got you on. And then look, what's a, yeah. what a blast it's been. Yeah. Fantastic. I'm sure this will have no ramifications for anyone <laughs> at any point. I can, I can already see my inbox with like twenty five messages from Theo about me being angry about his game. Oh yeah, oh, oh it's coming. Uh, hey, but you know, know, no, no, no. Uh, was it bad blood? Uh, no. This is all just you know discussion and and fun. I really like Dungeons and Dragons. That's all this is. <laughs> yeah, this guy really. Please likes don't Dungeons send me messages. Hey, but like you know, um, we were uh, we we're I don't know. We we're just kind of talking behind our backs. Uh, like possibly getting you and Theo on the podcast—is that something possible, or or you think uh, you said everything? If you want me else? on again, I'll come on again. Uh, oh, I can definitely. I, I would love to feed my egotistical narcissism by being on a podcast a second time. Uh, I, well, I don't listen. If if anything, you're helping us. You've been a you've been a pleasure to have on, and your stories are fucking funny as hell. So yeah, uh, I got your content, guys. man. I'm glad I can give you free content. If you'd like to subscribe to my personal Patreon, where I just ramble to myself, go ahead and leave a link down below. Oh my god. Oh there. We, we didn't agree to that. We didn't no. agree to you saying that on the podcast. Why not go to my PayPal and leave me $55 in Canadian currency? We can, we can talk about this uh, after afterwards. No, yeah, this is live. If you want to subscribe to my OnlyFans to see hot D&D action, drop a link down Ooh, below. I would. Aiden, no, I would. You don't. <laughs> you don't. Don't say you do. Aiden, if you made an OnlyFans, I might have to subscribe. I don't want to go down this train. I'm not that type of guy. You know Theo would be down for that. I know he'd be down for it. I'm vehemently not. No. I'm drawing the line in the sand. No. That's good. Yeah, you could get hooked on that sort of stuff. You know, no, no. End of topic. End of top. Abort. Uh, and a safe word, apricot. Apricot. I'm out. <laughs> so, so what if the viewers or the listeners want to find find you? Like, um, oh, they're they're gonna have to live you. in mystery. <laughs> I, I I am a ghost. Aiden, Aiden is a ghost. He never appears except for like when I do appear. I drop multi paragraph rants about nothing yes. anyone cares about, and then I disappear for weeks at a time before yep. I come back. Yeah, hey, at least you're funny. Those. Yeah, well, <laughs> they are pretty funny. Thanks. I I always get amused by them. Yeah, that yeah. was entertaining. Um, wow. yeah, I don't, I I didn't know, I don't know what else I was going to ask, man. I think I've run out. 
All right. Well, was there was there anything else you want to say about the like Theo's podcast? What he said, or or did we like cover everything that you wanted to say? I think we just about touched on everything I had here. I'm just checking my list once again. Oh, there is one one minor thing I did want to bring up. Yes. Yeah, I've got I've got two lists. One that I refined. One that I left as sort of vague. Wow. Um, oh. This is going to be real quick, and then we can probably wrap it up because we're getting close yeah. to two hours in length, and no one's oh, got that no. amount of patience. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, Jesus. Okay. Um, so, something Theo talks about a lot and is a mistake for common dungeon masters is the idea of creating a story for your players. Uh, oh. And that doesn't seem bad initially, um, but what ends up happening is it produces a situation I like to call railroading. Where when you create a story, you tend to have a definite beginning, a definite beginning, or a definite middle, and definite end. And the problem with that in a tabletop role-playing game is you tend to sort of nudge your players to go with what you think is best for the story you have in your mind. Mm. Um, so I know from talking to the people that have played in Theo's games in the past, uh, there's a situation where he's created the sandbox or sort of open-world thing, but they're corralled on a ship and put on this one specific area. And then they're, they're corralled back on a ship and taken to another specific area. And there isn't really room to sort of explore or do their own thing because they're being ferried, almost like a uh, Disneyland dark ride where you're belted in and taken from one set piece to another. Uh, that, that's a common problem that comes up. And it's just something I wanted to mention. Don't make stories, uh, make situations and sort of see what happens from there. And then on a week to week basis, sort of vamp from that. Okay, yeah, I feel like there's something I'm not getting here, but um, I feel like it'd be too much to explain, so... No, I, I don't want to take up another long time <laughs> explaining the nuances of a game you probably won't play. We, we, can, we can save it for uh, when you come on with Theo, maybe. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know what you mean by debate. I don't know what there is to argue about, but... <laughs> right, you're, you're right here. <laughs> nothing left to say. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I feel said, like, yeah, if you, if you guys both come on, like, you, you guys are just going to yell at each other, right? No, no, no. Like, he'll just talk, no. little, he'll talk like proper gentlemen. He'll tell will not be civilized. About his <laughs> if you have me on a second time and wax play gets brought up, I'm yeah. out immediately. I'm done. <laughs> no, it, it, it. no, I'm here for Dungeons and Dragons and not much else. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Yeah, but uh, maybe like we'll just uh, again, no bad blood, right? We just uh, nah. if Theo comes on, we'll just talk a little. If he gets into wax play, fair enough, we'll drop you out. Um, mm. and uh, just making sure you know nobody has uh, you know, we'll just clear things up a bit, shake hands. Uh, he doesn't like 5e, you still like 5e, and uh, that'll be it. Yeah. But I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's a difference of opinion. Theo has people that play his system, I've got people that play 5e. We both have fun, you know, that's sort of end of story. That's right. Uh, my main thing was just downplaying 5e in favor of another system really isn't doing the due credit I think that that system deserves. So that's why I wanted to come on. Well said. All right. So uh, shall we uh, get into final thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll go first then. Yeah. Uh, so I think it was pretty cool to go into more depth of D&D and everything and kind of go like take some insight into what theo said and what's different um i mean i think you guys both have different outlooks on what 
a game should look like. Um, and I mean, they're they're different games and everything, but I think it was pretty fun. Also, listening to your stories, Aiden, and and always hearing you go on rants is always fun. <laughs> so anytime you want to come back on, let me know. <laughs> Because it's always a pleasure having you. Well, if you provoke me enough, I'm sure something will come up. <laughs> yeah, and when you send me random slug seals in, in my DMs and say it's a threat, is also very hey, interesting. Hey, fun fact. Anytime you want to end a conversation with someone, just send them a weird image, because that'll shut them up immediately. <laughs> it's fantastic. I've got but a whole I collection I wasn't of even slugs. saying anything. You just randomly messaged me, and I said, okay, thank you. And, and then you said, this is a threat. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, and then told me to fuck off pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that I, I didn't say that. Slug seal. Wow. That's pretty good. That, that's that's oh. good. That's good. I didn't see this thing before. No, no, he he DM'd it to me. You'll never see it again. <laughs> oh, it. oh, it's gone, gone forever. No, gone. I didn't say that. Oh no. For the audio listeners at home, I just sent an image of a seal, uh, but the head was photoshopped to be that of a slug. It works yeah. really well. They're both grayish. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Next. That was that it for your final thought? Yeah, that was yeah that that's it. it. That's it. Yeah. Right, Podcast back. over. End recording. No. That's it. No? Oh, yeah, Bucko. And season uh, finale. We're no longer lost. We're found together. <laughs> true. Yeah, we've, we've seen the light. Aiden's Laden has brought us like like the good shepherd he is. Um yeah, I mean, man, uh, that was good. Uh, I like D and D now too. Uh, I'm gonna try playing it again, probably, because uh, maybe I just haven't found the right crew. I mean, I talked about this with Theo too. Um, like, probably the people I was playing with, or like just us players, uh, probably wasn't the best bunch for it. We're all very impatient and on our phones and shit. Uh, mm-hmm. But maybe I'm, I'm willing to give it another shot, especially after all you all the good stuff you said about it. And how it well, was like simpler to get into and stuff. Uh, let me give you a little insider information you'll find useful for 5e D&D. Uh, there's a website called The Trove, and it's a historic compilation of every tabletop role-playing game ever made, every manual, every spin-off, all on one site. Oh my so you God. can go there and you can find all the manuals for Dungeons and Dragons 5e in PDF format. Restored or sort of preserved for historic recollection. And this is uh, so free? You, this is free. It's a uh, historic okay. preservation product. So you've got 5e, you've got 4e, you've got 3e. Heck, there's even some specialized things. There's an Evil Dead version, if you're familiar with that series. There's Ghostbusters, Cyberpunk, if you want to know what the background for that new game is. Uh, oh, there's tons of systems out there. I'm sure one of them will click. God damn. Uh, yeah, this site's cool. I'm going to check it out. But yes, man, Aiden, you have been great. Uh, you have been funny, which is always important. And um, yeah, dude, please come on again. Uh, that was a we, we had a blast having you on. I'm sure uh, Gabe. Matt, as soon as Matt's okay. check clears, I'll be ready to be on again. Please. We'll be waiting for you. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I agree with yeah, my final thoughts. I agree with describing Sadiq. Like, come on again. Like, um, yeah, you're really well spoken, and I just just learned so much. And um, um, one of the things I just want to point out that uh, like you're you're have you done podcasts before? Uh, I haven't done podcasts in the sixth grade. I won an award for public speaking when I talked about microwave safety. So that's about wow. the extent of my professional talking career. Oh, 
Okay. Okay. Cause, cause, cause anytime, like, like there's so many instances where like, it's just so perfect the way you explain things to the listeners. Like anytime you put like post an image, you'd explain it. Or like, um, like when we're talking about CSV, even though like, like us, we knew about CSV. Like you took the time to like explain it to the listeners who may not know. And like, like, like no guest has done that ever. And like, not even us. Like we forget it a lot too. That 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 sometimes listeners don't understand what we're talking about. So awesome. that kind of... you know what? Fucking take over podcast. You, you be yeah. the host now. No, yeah, no. You know what? I'm starting my own podcast. It's called <laughs> Found Alone. It's just me. Come over. So I'll be doing Dungeons and Dragons character builds. I'll shake me out as I make the. I'll make Captain America. He's he's a paladin with a shield, and here's the boring stat details. That's me alone. <laughs> It's probably yeah, still gonna be more alone. entertaining than whatever we're up to. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> hey, tell me uh, when you make it. I'll uh, I'll give you a follow. Maybe I'm not making this. Are you kidding? Yeah, found a load. They'll be. <laughs> I'm gonna name it something else. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like like um, I yeah, that's just that's just even we forget. It, like we just um, yeah, it's just there's such an air of like pro- professionalism and um, and yeah, like everything. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what? And 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 yeah, like um now now that um like just learning about this like D and D, it just seems like such a whole new world. Like it just seems to go on forever, and there's so many different mechanics. And um, um well, there's there's under a hundred and thirty mechanics. You can take <laughs> refuge knowing that. <laughs> But yeah, like oh, such a such a that's such a history. Like so many people have put so much time into. It's just ah, I don't know. It's just so cool. Um, um, um. That yeah. Thanks for like talking about it today and and bring this like all that knowledge to us and to listeners. Is yeah, it's been great. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, you come on again. Um, mm-hmm. If we have the debate, I think we'll have the debate episode. The debate. Debate. In this corner, weighing in with eight years of D&D experience, it's yes. Adam Fisk. In the other corner, homebrew Theophian Peters. <laughs> well, I, I think this particular ruling's a little overrated, if I might say so myself. Uh, well, actually, I disagree. Uh, you see, I don't know. You are brutal. <laughs> nerd fight, nerd fight, nerd fight. Blood will spill. One, two men enter. One man leaves. Three, three hosts are are, are confused. And they don't know what's going on. Yep. Yeah. The ramblings of madmen. Yeah. This will be like the three episode arc of D and D glory. It's oh man. Well, I'll start building the hype in the other Discord for it. Because they Ooh. when first when when Aiden was going was ranting in the Discord at first, there was a bunch of hype going around for it. But we'll, we'll be, be sure oh. to hype up the be sure to hype up the tens of listeners in the Discord. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You had to say it like that, man. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I okay, honestly, tens, tens of tens of listeners will take that any day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's our listen count at now? It. Yeah, we we have. I think we have about ten. <laughs> Yo, SB, All what right, so fourteen. Whoa. Now, now I, I, I have to remind you guys, I watched that last podcast six or seven times. So. 
<laughs> so account for six of those being me, three of them uh, being you guys. Yeah, Theo probably Wait, watched it himself. I know Jake watched please. it. This wow. 26 plays on the last one. Wow, okay, okay. Wow. So you're you've got, six you've of got them. the content. I'm six of those. <laughs> I'm one of those, so... Nice, Damn. nice. Don't expose us like that, Jimmy. <laughs> I can't wait to watch the podcast where four people talk about, oh, we got 30 views this time, guys. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, my gosh. That's peak I'm gonna content. Get... This we'll not look the back. peak of content. Okay, but <laughs> think about 20 years later, when we're making a big, we're the biggest podcast in the world, I'll be like, check out this episode. Look, 20 look years from now, somewhere. I'll be dead. And that's my only hope in life, oh, life died in a way that confuses future archaeologists. <laughs> oh, don't say that. How do you want to go? What's your what's your uh, what's your prediction? Uh, I gotta think of it a bit. Some some way confusing. Oh I, I want to make people perplexed. Like, how did this come about? Like, you know how they find people in Pompeii that are preserved doing certain things. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Something like, I what, feel like what there's is... only so many ways to die. You know. Well, I'm gonna have to figure something out before 20 years. Okay. Well, I uh, wish you the best of luck, sir. Actually, I don't. I wish you bad luck so you can uh, stay alive on this earth a bit longer. Maybe talk. Yeah, why wait 20, 20 years? years. <laughs> I don't know if you've gone outside lately. There's a bit of a thing going on out there. Uh, a little, little situatione, as they say in the news. Oh my uh, God. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah. What, what? Black Lives Matter. What? Oh, god, oh my no. god okay well no I, I podcast think, podcast he, end. Has, has everyone hasn't done his final <laughs> thoughts yet has he my final thoughts yeah, I, yeah. I covered all the talking points i wanted to uh i i do want to drive home one more time that this isn't some spite fueled i disagree with this guy it, they're differing opinions for game systems uh, mm, i had a lot yeah. of fun coming on here i i enjoy talking i i got a bit silly on the end sort of making fun of you guys and stuff but uh, it is really nice that you had me on and i appreciate that you let me on um thanks for coming on yes yeah, thanks. yeah other than that yes like like yeah that's a basic there don't get too <laughs> the many D &D things been the dnd has been tapped dry so unless you have other ideas yeah. <laughs> well as our guest uh would you like to end the episode yes okay thank you for listening to the lost together podcast this has been episode 16 of season 6 if you'd like to listen to more of the podcast check us out on spotify apple podcasts or one of the other 15 things that are listed on the link mat set like jesus christ man pick one lane and stick in it oh my god that was so good damn that's the end of that <laughs>